Welcome to Mindset Meets Mastery with Arlene Gale. We're talking about the stories we tell ourselves, the mindsets, myths, and misinformation that can hold us back, and then turning our focus to action steps that bring about success mastery in business and life. The goals are to define success on our own terms and to master that success without excuses or apologies. Hi, everybody. Welcome today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope that wherever you are that you are doing well. I know there's a lot of things happening in the world, and so I just want to say hello and thank you to all my listeners around the world for being part of my audience and being part of trying to change mindsets around the world so that we can all successfully master um, the life that we want and hope to live. So again, I hope that you all are well. I've got An exciting topic today because I feel not so alone based on having my guest here today. So I want to start by asking you, surely you've heard these sayings, there's two sides to a coin, there's two sides to a balanced equation. Now I'm a writer, not a mathematician, but I still find that to be true. And there's two sides to every story. For example, in successful communication, One side has to give the message, but it doesn't stop there. Somebody has to be there to receive the message and then communicate back to the first person that that message was sent and received. And then that conversation, that communication happens. So this may surprise, shock, or offend some of my younger listeners or some of my listeners that think email is communication or text is communication. It's not. It's one-way information, Um, but I digress. That's a whole different program and a whole different rant, (laughs) but, you know, it's a give and take. Um, There's value on both sides. So with that said, in business, I often find that people come to me and say, hey, I've got this expertise and I want to start a business. Well, it's great that you have an expertise and it's great that you have an idea of what you can provide people related to your expertise, but what are your customers' needs, their wants? What are they willing to pay you for? Because just because you have expertise doesn't mean you're shooting at moving targets who may or may not ever pay any attention to you until you get their attention, until you start thinking about what is it they need from you. And most people think about customers or target market in kind of a like a surface overview, things, the demographic things, the age, gender, socioeconomics, geographic location, those tangible items is what I get responses from most people about. But they don't dive down deeper into what I call the warm, squishy stuff, <laughs> the warm, the warm center, which is you know, what drives your client? What are the emotional connections? How do you solve the problems that they have? So what does your client say you do? And that's really, really important. And when I ask most of my clients, they kind of either give me an answer that goes back to this is my expertise or they just give me crickets and they can't answer that question. So, but it is a valuable question. What do your clients say you do or what do your clients hire you to do for them and why? So, you know, I hadn't done this with my own clients, asked them this 
for several years. So I decided, you know, time out. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. So I'm going to go talk to my clients and see what it is that they want most from me, that they like most about the services I provide them. And, you know, I'm a book writing expert. I'm a marketing expert. I'm a target market competition research expert. I can do all of those things for my clients. I can help them outline and write and publish books. So I thought, great, I know what I do. <laughs> what do my clients say I do? So I interviewed them, and what came back as one or two in every one of the surveys that I gave them was, I'm an accountability partner. What? <laughs> I never said I was an accountability partner. Who are these people talking about? <laughs> You know, but it was very eye-opening because now when I talk to potential clients, I talk to them about setting goals and achieving goals, being their accountability partner that keeps them focused and on track. Knowing what my clients want from me or need from me turned my business upside down and led me in a different direction so that I can talk in a way that my clients can relate. Because they're not hiring me based only on my expertise, but mainly on what they need from me. So anyway, I am very unique and different in this perspective of really actually asking your clients what they need from you. So imagine my shock, surprise, and my amazement when I was introduced to a woman who has the same philosophy that I do. She talks about selling your expertise based on what your clients want. <clears throat> so, of course, when I got introduced, it's like, yes, 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 let's get on and talk. So, you know, there may be, you know, there may be room for agree to disagree. There may be massaging and fine-tuning of what each of us thinks, but I really want you to hear from an expert about why it's important to sell based on what your client wants as opposed to your expertise. So let me introduce my guest today, Kristen Zivago. Gosh, I hope I said that last name right. Did I, Kristen? It's Kristen Zivago. Close enough. Zivago. Okay. Yeah, there you All right. Go. I'm going to try not to slaughter that again. Kristen <laughs> Zivago. So Kristen is the president of Zivago Partners a digital marketing management company that serves both business-to-business -business and business-to-consumer clients in a variety of industries. Kristen began her career in the high-tech industry, and then she and her husband, through their high-tech agency, helped introduce and market all of the technologies that we in business take for granted today. When the web emerged as a commercial medium, she br branched out into other industries to reinvent herself to become a revenue coach, helping CEOs and entrepreneurs sell the way their customers want to buy. But we're also going to talk to, about, to her about her five-star book, Roadmap to Revenue, How to Sell the Way Your Customers Want to Buy. It was chosen by Forbes as one of the top sales and marketing books. And she frequently speaks on the subject of the customer's buying process, which she was one of the first to identify as being key to selling it to today's customers and about building your business to compete effectively in, your fa in, in our fast-changing, hyper-competitive marketplace. And, you know, highly competitive and changing is definitely, are definitely keywords in my opinion. But hello, welcome, Kristen. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Good, good, good. So I want to hear why the mindset of selling to the customer became so important or became such a focus for your success? Well, actually, I use the word mindset 
in two ways. There's the mindset of understanding what, what your customer wants to buy from you. And as you already pointed out, in, in your case, they were buying an accountability partner and that isn't what you thought at all. Mm-hmm. And, and that moment, that big aha that you had is exactly what I've built my career on the last decades, many decades. Because as a revenue coach, I would go and start working with a client and they would tell me all the things they thought were important to their customers. And then I would go out and interview their customers. And the list was always different, Mm -hmm. radically different. They used different words. They had different concepts. The things that the company thought were important just weren't that important to to the people that they were selling to. And they had other ways of describing it. So that, that truth is what I would bring back to the client and say, okay, this is what they really think. This is what they really bought. And this is how they want to buy it. So that led to the book, um, thousands of interviews, hundreds of companies, understanding that this happens everywhere. The minute you assume you're in the wrong mindset. So that's one thing. Now, second word, second way I think of mindset is that whole process of finding out what your customers think is actually un- uncovering their mindset, the mindset they have when they set out to buy something from you. And that mindset consists of their desires, their concerns, and their questions. If you address those properly, you're probably going to make the sale. If you don't, they'll just click away and go to somebody else who do, who will do it for them. So it's not really about our mindset. It's about understanding their mindset, making an offer that, that appeals to that mindset, and then winning the sale because of it. They get what they want. You get what you want. So let me ask you this. Do you ever run across a situation where – the customers are merely buying on price and not expertise. And if that's the case, what is a, what is a business person supposed to do? Well, it depends on the industry. I mean, obviously a lot of things have become commoditized. That's what the digital, the whole, if you look at the whole trend of digital um, technology and digitization of the world, which I've been watching for years now, um, it's really turning a lot of things that were intensive service oriented things into commodities. However, the company that actually makes the most money is the one that makes it easiest to buy, easiest to understand, easiest to order, easiest to use, easiest to get help when you need it. Those are the companies that actually make the most money and they can even add on to their services and charge more for their services just because of that convenience. So I don't really believe that it all comes down to price or that's the only reason. Okay. So if somebody, for for example, if somebody's offering too many programs or too many services and that causes buyer confusion, is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. Or they, or I mean, as buyers, as sellers, we forget how hard it is to buy stuff. As buyers, we know perfectly well that we go, we look, we, we go into Amazon, for example, 
which is probably one of the best examples of making it easy to buy. You're not confused during that process. You always know what, what comes next, where to look for data. What's interesting is how important the customers answering questions for other customers is to the buying process because the manufacturer of that item forgot to say how big it was mm. or whether it goes with this other thing. You know, we were all plugging into other things. Everything has to be compatible these days and they fail to mention it works with this or mm. don't do this with it or, you know, it doesn't work in these situations. Customers answer those questions for other customers was one of the smartest things that Amazon ever did. Hmm. And eh, the fact that it's so popular and that you often find your answer there is a testimony to the fact that the people marketing the product are not answering customer questions. <laughs> so there you go. Hmm. That, you know, that's fascinating because I, I just had an experience where I was buying something stackable for my son's college dorm <laughs> yeah. and the measurements were wrong. So yeah. <laughs> the ones that were less deep were not as wide as the ones that were more deep. So yeah, their yeah. definition of stackable and my definition of stackable were not stackable. <laughs> yeah. And that comes down to my most famous quote, which is branding is the promise that you make. Your brand is the promise that you keep. And the way you do that is you give people the information they need when they need it. And it's honest and true and accurate and they're not disappointed after the sale. It's, I mean, this is all basic common sense, common courtesy. And as buyers, we know this, as sellers, we absolutely forget it. So what would you, what would you say is the reason that when we make that switch to the if different side of the equation that we forget to play the role as the customer when we're looking at what we're providing as a service. What created that shift oh, that's in our easy. mindsets? That's easy. Uh, when you become an entrepreneur, when you decide to go, you know, take that leap of faith, and it really is, you're stepping off a cliff, you have no idea how it's going to be, what's going to happen. Uh, when I reinvented myself into a revenue coach, for three years, I was trying to figure out what I had to do all day because I was inventing the whole thing. I mean, mm. nobody else had ever been a revenue coach before I made it up. So um, it's scary and you're betting the farm. You're betting mm. your mortgage, you're betting your marriage, you're betting your, your family. If you're using extra, you know, money from them, you're betting the investors who have invested in you. You suddenly have all this pressure on you to sell. And now you become that irritating, pushy, uh, desperate salesperson that nobody likes right it happens overnight the minute you decide yeah and i think that customers can smell desperation <laughs> and they want to run yeah. the other way do you find yeah. that in your business oh yeah it, it's called flop sweat in the show business <laughs> you know they can smell the flop sweat um it's not a good idea no it's not and i think they can tell desperation and i think that a customer can tell um, when you're not clear about what they need, I think that they, they may not be able to articulate it, but I think customers can feel that. Yes, absolutely. And it, it goes back, one of the things that's interesting about that is you know as a human being 
if somebody likes you or not the minute you meet them. Mm-hmm. And we learn that when we're babies and, you know, Aunt Tilly comes up and goes, oh, you cute little thing. And they pinch your cheek and it hurts. And you're <laughs> like, okay, I don't like this person. This person doesn't like me either. They're, they're not even seeing me. Right. Okay. You're either recognized or you're not. And mm. you know that the minute you meet somebody, you know whether that's happening or not. So if they don't recognize you, they don't understand you, they don't see you, the real you and what you really need, you're just not interested. You're bored. You want to leave. Okay. So so the first step in the process is to, for you, if I'm understanding correctly, is to figure out when you have a client what their customer wants and needs. So let's say, or have you ever had the experience where you come back to a customer and you say, okay, these people say that they want these things from you or they need these things for you and then that customer goes no 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 and then they don't they don't make the switch have you ever experienced that no but that's because i don't work with jerks (laughs) boom mic drop we're done (laughs) i honestly truly i mean i don't work with jerks um i don't subject my staff to jerks i don't put jerks in my life I have a jerk test that works every time and it just tells me if the person's a jerk or not, which I won't tell you what it is. <laughs> uh, and, and so we just keep them out of our, our existence because they are the Aunt Tilly who pinches your cheek and makes it hurt and doesn't care about you. All they care about is themselves. And my definition of a jerk is somebody who makes life harder for everybody else. Absolutely. Nice I... people make it easier for other people. And they make your job more fun and satisfying and makes, yeah. So So, I call that my coachability. I haven't had that experience. I've, I've seen entrepreneurs say, oh, wow, we had no idea. Hmm. And they have to think about it for a bit, but usually it's some kind of truth that isn't that hard to implement. It's usually something that they're already doing. They just didn't realize how important it was to the customer. I mean, I've turned whole companies around by having them say, oh, we were pushing this because it was really hard for us to do, but they don't think it's that important. They love this other thing we're already doing. Mm -hmm. Well, let's just promote that. It's a matter of what you promote. And if you're not a jerk, then you have actually tried to do the right thing for the customer. Right. You just weren't marketing it properly. Well, I, I, I wasn't really going there, but I think that's fabulous. <laughs> that's fabulous for anybody who's in business that, you know, first of all, I think there's huge value in hiring people who have expertise that will help you move beyond where you are. And that's what you do. Right. But then to hire that kind of person and not be coachable or listen and, and accept or respond according to their wisdom, that does put somebody in the uncoachable jerk zone. Yeah. And there's, life's there's, too short. It's one other thing I need to bring up here, though. There is a method to finding mm-hmm. out what your customers really think. It's not hard. I spell it out in chapter three of my book. I give away every single secret that I've learned interviewing thousands of people, how to get them on the phone, why the phone is important um, versus in person or surveys or whatever. I've just worked out all the details. Here are the questions you need to ask and so on. When I come back and every marketer who's ever done this, taken my advice has been shocked at how much power they suddenly have. I mean, overnight they go from powerless 
and disregarded in many cases to powerful and respected overnight. Mm. And what they wow. do is they bring a transcription of those conversations broken up into categories. So the, the person speaking is anonymous, but you still get every single word. Right. And those reports can be 50 to 150 pages, but the CEO reads every single word and says, OMG, I can't believe that that's what it was. And they, the, 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 the birds start singing and the lights start, <laughs> you know, all the changes. It all happens right there in that reading. And then I do a summary and recommendations report. And I spell all of this out in the book. The book also covers the buying process, by the way. It dissects the different types of buying processes in the world based on the amount of scrutiny that the customer applies to the purchase. So it's a very helpful book. I, I don't write theoretical books. This is based on real experience. Absolutely. So let me ask you, how big a role does emotions and emotional connection play in business success? Well, it goes back to the thing I was talking about before. If you know that someone cares, then you're going to then you start to trust them and it moves from there into a good solid relationship. Um, the I think there's a I think there's a a um well, it depends on the product or service too, of course. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to the mindset so if they have desires and concerns and questions, regardless of how emotional the purchase is, that, that's what they bring to the party. And those things are the things you need to address. And even in B2B, business to business, there is an emotional factor, which is that anybody who works, especially in big companies, the first day they come into a big company and go to work, I learned this the hard way as a revenue coach coming in and doing marketing and sales turnarounds. And I would suddenly be part of a me entrepreneurial person would be part of this big, big company. Mm. The first day you get there, they, they hang this little whiteboard around your neck. It's invisible, but it's there. And every time you make a mistake, you get a black mark on your whiteboard. Ew. And so every single thing that you do always has this worry Am I going to screw this up? Am I going to get too many black marks on my whiteboard so nobody even pays attention to me anymore because mm. I've been discredited myself? So that that is the emotion underlying the B2B purchase. But it happens also in B2C, business to consumer. Nobody wants to make a bad buying decision because then they're stuck with the idea that they feel stupid, that they feel like they were taken, they didn't get what they wanted out of it, they spent all that money, didn't get mm -hmm. the you know, desired result. So that I think is where the emotion comes in. It is not about a relationship. I hate relationship marketing because nobody wants the car dealer showing up for dinner. You just right. wanna buy the darn car and you want them to give you, you know, a solid answer when you say, does it do this? Or is it okay for that? Yeah. And, and you want someone who knows their product. Right. So absolutely. So I want to talk about something of yours that made me chuckle. Um, and I'm dying to know more, but it's, you know, it has to do with mindsets and the F word, <laughs> the, the find it, face it, fix it. Yeah. Can you, can yeah. you explain that to us and what that means to well, a, I give a my husband business? credit for that. Um, Good job. Yeah. My, uh, you know, I, I manage a company, I manage a team, and 
we face issues all day long as everybody does in business. And one day he just looked at me and he says, find it, face it, fix it. That's your job. And I, I've just been putting that to work. You don't get excited. You don't get upset. You don't worry about it. You just immediately move into, okay, find it. What's the problem? Face it. Okay. We have this problem here. Fix it. And if you try to fix it and fix it and fix it and fix it and fix it, and it just doesn't work, then you have to F it. <laughs> I don't say that word. I don't like that word, but it's a rude word, but, but. It, that's, you know, at some point you have to say, okay, I've done everything I can and now it's time to walk away or change yeah. it or whatever. So it's, it's time to move into something else. It's, yeah. you know, you, you try and try and try. And so there's a persistence there, but at some point, what is that? You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same yeah. thing over and over again and getting yeah. the same results. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to say, this is crazy. I yeah. can't change it. Or the other person is just never going to go there. Mm. That was something I had to realize about a couple of friends of mine that I've been trying to help for years and years and they'd be okay for an hour and then they'd be right back, you know, in that same mindset, in that same frame of mind and nothing I could ever say would ever help. I have other friends that I've definitely helped and they, they came, everything was fine. But there are some people who are sort of determined to be unhappy and absolutely, I finally had to face that. Yeah, and they're, they they get most happy when they're unhappy because they made you unhappy too. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately that is correct. Unfortunately, I've I've met people that way and I've had to I've had to figure out that you know, yeah. they're they're happiest when we're both unhappy and I yeah. just I can't do happy that way. Yeah, yeah. Um Good so point. but but that brings up a question when you're working with a client and you've interviewed their customers and you've changed their mindset and you send them in a different perspective a different direction or you fine tuned the way they're marketing their message. Does that always stick? What do you mean? Does it always stick? I mean, do you know, is, is the old, do the old ways come back? So in other words, how do you keep a customer focused in the new direction and the new mindset when they've been doing something else so long? You know, it's kind of surprising. Again, if you're not working with a jerk and you're working with somebody who really does want to improve and do better, um, it does stick. If they, if they end up hiring a jerk because now they're growing and they get all excited and they hire somebody and then that's when the whole thing starts to go sideways because there's a different agenda. You know, the jerks who make it harder for everybody is because the reason it's happening is because all they care about is themselves and furthering their own self-image or their own their other people how other people think of them it's all about me 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 so they're not thinking about the customer or even the company frankly and that's when it goes south okay. otherwise if the ceo is sold and there are nice people on staff i can tell you it's just an amazing thing it takes off and it gains momentum and it gets better and better and better and they're they're on this bright path it's a very satisfying thing so when when they're going in the right direction and then all and they're having these great results they're seeing everything on an upward trend what are some of the things that might stop that that make them say whoa something's changing something's different and and then reassess how they need to fine tune their business well two things um assuming they haven't brought somebody in bad internally which i've already talked about that's mm -hmm. usually the biggest problem 
The second one is that the customer perception of their product or service or their market or whatever changes radically overnight due to something totally out of their control, like the pandemic or whatever. Mm -hmm. Those things happen. Right. And when they do, you have to find it, face it, fix it. I mean, it's a very, it's a, you can't just say, oh, well, it's not a big deal. It's not going to affect me. No, this has changed. Okay. Yeah. Now it's time to re-interview customers and see what the deal is and how you can find your way, your space in that new environment. And the other thing that can blindside you is if a competitor comes out with a better solution that's yeah. easier to use and doesn't require all the stuff that you required, you know, there's that book, Don't Make Me Think. And, mm -hmm. and the, the less you make people think, the happier they are. So that's, that's another way you can get blindsided. And again, find it, face it, fix it. You really have to be honest with yourself. You have to be constantly looking around. That's part of the job of being an entrepreneur is looking mm -hmm. around and say, what's going on here and how do we adjust to it? What's the truth? And how do we adjust? So thinking about that, has marketing a business or being successful in business, has that, we know it's changed in the last year because of, you know, the pandemic. How have you seen things change, say, over the last five, 10 years when it comes to marketing a business and growing a business? Yeah, well, obviously, we made the switch from non-digital to digital. Marketing is almost 100% digital now. You can put a little skinkles on the cake, you know, with some direct mail or stuff, but it's basically 100% digital. And the big problem with that, and something that we work on a lot with clients, is that you can have a perfectly good business that's doing well and you take care of customers, and you're just finding that you're not competing in that digital marketplace. And you're like the deer in the headlights. I mean, suddenly you've got all these technical people telling you all this stuff that doesn't make any sense to you. And you try all these different things. Like we have so many clients who come to us and say, well, I tried social. It didn't work. Or I tried this. It didn't work. I don't understand SEO and SEM. And we tried advertising. We spent all this money on it. It didn't work. That's because they just did one thing and they didn't understand it. So we work really hard to educate. I have a, a whole team of specialists in each one of those channels. Mm. And by the way, you mentioned personas or something close to that at the very beginning. Personas are who they are. Channels, social, email, SEM, SEO, and so on, is where they are. None of that matters if you don't understand their mindset. You will waste all of your money with messages that don't appeal to them. It's the message that matters. Absolutely. And if you don't adjust that message or target that message to that specific mindset, I don't care how much money you spend. I don't care where you go or who you're advertising to or talking to. It's not going to work. So the message matters and I guess one of the things that comes to mind is I get people who ask me all the time, what is SEO? Why does it matter? Oh yeah, I have SEO. It's like, okay, so what is, what are the numbers? I don't know. They have it, but they don't check it. So, you know, SEO, some people say, oh, well, that's old terminology. Well, talk to us about SEO and why does that matter? 
Well, first of all, Google's your first audience because everybody in the world goes to Google. They own 90% or more, 95% of the search market. So you Google it. That's what you do, okay? Unless you're buying some very high scrutiny thing that you need to go to somebody and just get some kind of referral from someone mm-hmm. you trust and know. Right. Basically, we all Google. Even then, you still Google. So Google is your first customer and you have to meet the Google requirements. Google is a robot. Google is an algorithm. There are like 200 criteria. They change it eight times a day. It's an ever moving target. It's just a very difficult thing. However, we have had long-term success. SEO is not a short-term play. SEO is creating good content where first you research all the keywords that your competition is using and getting clicks for. There's actually a way to do this. You research, you have tools that you research the clicks they're getting. So you know they're being successful, at least getting clicks. You use those words in your content. You build content that human beings find Mm -hmm. useful because Google pays attention to how much do they, how many people come, how long do they stay on the page? Where else do they go on your site afterwards? Okay. So Google wants to serve up good content. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Google's not going to survive, right? right? The algorithm is self-feeding um, um, or whatever you want to call it. It's, it. it's concerned about its own survival. So you serve up good content. Over time, that content builds momentum. You get more clicks. You get more links to your site. People come and, and you, you take educational news, you know, things that people actually can use. That's what SEO is all about. And it builds slowly over time, but it does build. And sometimes you can get a hockey stick where you've got some kind of thing that, that um, you know, the 10 ways to do such and such or how to do this. You're answering a big question that people have and your content and awareness goes up. That's separate from SEM, which is online advertising, where you can very quickly get on page one of the search results um, by running an ad program targeted again to those keywords that you do all that research for Mm -hmm. proper SEO and SEM take an amazing amount of research to get it right. Mm -hmm. You have to get in the ballpark of those keywords and the things, the topics that people care about. Well, and and I love that you talk, you've mentioned this word several times and competition, competition. And when I get someone who comes to me and they want to write a book on this topic, it's like, so who is your competition? And they say, I don't have any competition. Yeah, I don't have any competition. <laughs> My response is, how sad for you? Because if you have no competition, nobody's going to be able to find you and yeah. hire you. Yeah. What is your response to that kind of question? I don't have any competition. No, they do. Even <laughs> so, doing nothing is competition. Even <laughs> the fact that they don't need you and they don't care about it is competition. So, so why, I would like to hear your opinion about why understanding the competition is so important to businesses. Well, but remember, I didn't really start talking about the competition until I talked about SEO. Right. Okay. Up until that point, I've been talking about the customer's mindset because you can almost ignore the competition when you're just talking about your customer. When you start talking about Google as your other customer and you have to get through Google to get to your real customers, Mm -hmm. then you have to say, okay, what's working 
for other people because the robot is based on how what's working for those guys. I mean, Google is an auction. People hmm. are bidding for space. There's only 10 spots, unpaid spots on that first page. And there's eight paid spots on every single first page and subsequent pages of Google. There are 10 unpaid spots and eight paid spots, four at the top, four at the bottom. Somebody's bidding against you for that space. It's not an infinite space. It's a finite space. Right. And you have to be able to land on that page one because how many times do any of us go beyond page one? Not very often. Not very often. So it's, it's important to get there. And in order to get there, you have to know how many people are searching for that particular phrase, not another phrase that you think they're searching for. Right. And by the way, that's another place where there's this big gap between what we think and what the customers think. Right. I mean, who would have thought somebody would search for a book accountability partner maybe, or, you know, right. That's your quote, long tail keyword where it's just, it's something that they've thought of and it's several words. And we all know how to do that. Google, if you say this and that's not enough, it's not narrowing it down enough. Then you add two more words and then it narrows it down. Those are long tail keywords. And that's, that's where the money is. That's what you're trying to compete for is get those people who are specifically interested in your product. And you are competing for those 10 or eight spaces. I, I love that because number one, I didn't know that about Google or I had never thought about it that way. So I love that. So we've talked a lot about um, the, some of the things that you do, but I want to ask you, you know, because you do B2B and B2C um, work with businesses. What, who's your ideal client? What do they want from you? Well, our ideal client is partly because I've worked with engineers all my life and I love technical products and I love taking technical products out into the world. So we do a lot of work with technical companies. It's just a soft spot for me. I like engineers. I married an engineer. I love engineers. Me too. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> and I raised two baby little engineers. I mean, engineers also. So, oh, good. You know, yeah, I'm, see, I'm there outnumbered. You go. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I'm glad to hear it. Um, so uh, that's one soft spot. But another soft spot is just, again, anybody who has an established business. I tend not to work with startups because they got so many other problems when they first start up that, that I have no control over, cash flow being one of them. Yeah. But an established business that's, you know, making 500,000 to five or 50 million a year is somebody that I, that said, okay, we've got all this going for us, but now we need help with this marketing. It's not working. And that's where we come into play and, and start giving them what they need. So they kind of have a track record already and you can go in and figure out what's working, what's not working and what to fine tune. Yep. Okay. And they take care of their customers. So they already have that going for them that they yeah. care about their customers and they want yeah, to take care no, of them. Yeah, it's no purpose bringing in more business if they're not <clears throat> going to treat their customers well. Absolutely. I agree 100%. So, you know, as a book writing business coach, I would like to talk to you a little bit about your book, Roadmap to Revenue, How to Sell the Way Your Customers Want to Buy. And it's on Amazon, right? Yep, in all the forms. Okay. So... T tell me a little bit about that book and why you decided you wanted to write write it. 
Well, I couldn't stop myself from writing it. I mean, it was, it was, and I actually wrote another book called Rivers of Revenue, What to Do When the Money Stops Flowing, which was kind of a dress rehearsal. I don't really sell that book anymore. It was a dress rehearsal for the, for the roadmap book, but it was, it was again, sort of a bubbling over of this realization after doing all this revenue coach marketing and sales department turnarounds and all that work. Mm -hmm. I started realizing there's this terrible mistake that people are making where they're trying to sell without understanding the customer and everything they're doing is not going to work because of that. And mm. that's sad. It's really sad. Yes, I mean, they're putting is. all this effort into something that could help people, but they can't get the word out. They're not, it's not working. The marketing and sales aren't working. And it's really frustrating and they, and those are their dreams. And they, you know, my, my whole purpose in life is to help people realize their dreams. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I just happen to apply it to this whole commercial environment because I love entrepreneurs and business people. So to me, it was, okay, I've figured out this buying process and I split the, 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 Uh, amount of scrutiny that somebody applies to the sale into four categories, light, medium, heavy, and intense. Mm -hmm. And each one of those types of products and services have a specific buying process. So I knew I could lay that out in the book, which I do. And that's held true all through all these years. I wrote the book and published it in 2011. And I just had an audio uh, version done recently. So I got to hear the whole thing over again. Mm -hmm. And I swear, I managed to to write a book that is still relevant 100% today, even with all the changes that we have. Now, I know a lot more about digital marketing than I did back when I wrote the book because it was an emerging market. But that's why I had to write it. And I think when you know that you have an idea that is kind of a universal, life-changing, mind-changing, heart-changing idea. Mm-hmm. That's when it's time for a book and you put the flag down, you know, and that's, that's your, that becomes your brand. And for me, the brand was being an expert on the customer's buying process. Absolutely. So when you wrote the book and published it, did you find it, How did it impact your credibility and how your customers saw you when they hired you? Oh, no question. I mean, first of all, it was really easy to get speaking gigs, and now I do it mostly virtually, but um, I went all over the world speaking. And, you know, all you have to do is say, I've launched this book, and it was just credibility 100% more than you had before. That's what happens. And books are not as much that way as they had been, but I still think they're, they're, they do serve that purpose, especially if you're selling some kind of service. Right. Well, and I think that what you said about, you know, you had a system, you knew, you had this expertise, you knew what the customers wanted, you gave it some thought, you broke things down in a, in a logical order. To me, that speaks to quality of a book. Yeah. Yeah. And so how important do you think to taking that time and putting together a quality product, Matt, how, how much difference does that make? Oh, a hundred percent again. I mean, it's like you can't, if you put out a shoddy product, then you're just basically selling junk. Nobody's going to hire you because they'll just say, oh, well, that's not very helpful. 
Yeah. So, so you think the customer's smart enough to know that if it's junk that you're oh, yeah. doing for you, that you're yeah. probably going to give them junk too? <laughs> oh yeah. No question. Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's it. That's a very logical thing. Yeah. Well, you, one would think, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> one would I know. think, but I can't tell you how many business books I picked up and I look at them and I go, oh, what were they thinking? I know. Or it's one idea and a lot of examples that support the idea. And I've got so many business, I have hundreds of business books in my office. This is just a part of what I've got. And I can't tell you how many times I've opened them up, started to read and thought, okay. So how do I put this to work? How does this help me? What difference does it make? Or gee whiz, we all knew that. Tell me something new. Right. What's, what, what's your unique twist? What makes you different? Why should, you know, as the customer, why should I hire you over them? And so, yeah, absolutely. And, and so that goes back into some of the things that you teach and work on with your customers too. So I want to, I, I love the title, by the way, because I love Roadmap to Revenue. I'm always telling people how important that first title is. And Roadmap to Revenue, the, I guess the repeating R's just, you know, they, they roll off the tongue well. But also, it's a very clear, intriguing title that brings me in. How much effort and concentration did you put on just the right title? Well, Revenue was a big deal for me. And the reason I just called myself a revenue coach is because CEOs don't care about sales and marketing. They're bored with sales and marketing. If you stand in the elevator and somebody says, uh, oh, well, what do you do? And I say, I'm a revenue coach. They immediately think, whoa, revenue. Oh, yeah, good. Revenue is good. Coach. Oh, wow. I didn't think anybody could teach me how to get more. That's cool. Right there, you've got them. Okay, so I'm a branding expert. It was just, you know, that was it. So that was an obvious. And then roadmap came because I could, one, tell everybody how to, exactly how to interview their customers to get that data and present the data to the management so that it all worked. And I had this whole light, medium, heavy, and intense scrutiny thing Mm -hmm. that was another roadmap to teach them the buying process. Which is when I threw in the subhead, which is how to sell the way your customers want to buy, which is exactly what the book teaches. So I think the title is something that comes from the good content, mm-hmm. which you were talking about, that tells somebody something and really helps them. The whole idea is to help somebody else. And if you actually do that and you're not just running around saying, I'm really smart and I have this one idea and I'll have all these examples... That's not helping them. No, it's not. So congratulations on your success. Thank you. Um, I mean, and I think you hit it right on the head. You know, CEOs, business owners, their bottom line is their bottom line. <laughs> they want <laughs> revenue, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you hit them right in the heart where they, you know, that's what they need to focus on, but it's not the only thing. And, right. you know, so so congratulations. Um, yay you. Uh, I just I just want to encourage people to, to find your book and to connect with you. So how would they do that? The book is on Amazon. Roadmap to Revenue is all you have to type in. Um, and our site is zhivagopartners.com. And Zhivago is Z-H-I-V-A-G-O. Right. 
I can't tell you how many times I've typed that in the last few days. And <laughs> I don't think it's come out the same way twice. But <laughs> it's fine. Z-H-I-V-A-G-O. Right. So um, any, any place else that they can find you or find what you do well, and yeah, how you I'm, do it? I mean, if you just type in Kristen Zhivago, I just, I'm, I'm in all of those spaces on Google. Um, so you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all those places. Everybody goes these days. Awesome. Well, I'm real impressed that you keep up with the technology and understand that, you know, Google changes its algorithm eight times a day. That's, <laughs> that's something that just makes me want to crawl under the sofa and not ever come out again. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just got to tell you, and, and, you know, that's not my expertise. So to know that somebody actually sees that as an expertise and can fill that, that market niche is, is fabulous. And congratulations on, on, on being able to do that. But I think you've got a great team that, that works oh, yeah. with you too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I picked really good people that specialize in infrastructure, administration, um, and then client success managers. And then we have channel um, ex- experts that all, and then we have creative experts. So we have the whole thing is covered. Absolutely. That's fabulous. Okay. So this is my favorite part of the story the show so I'm going to put you on the hot seat so I know you're starting to go what did I get myself into no (laughs) you know your stuff so this is going to be easy well you're and you're not a jerk so I'm not worried (laughs) oh thank you you say that again yeah you're not a jerk (laughs) (laughs) so yeah but I want to put you on the hot seat because the program is mindset meets mastery so I want to ask you you know, you have obviously amassed success. You have been successful in finding your niche and your expertise. So as you are coming up to where you are today, what is a mindset that could have stopped you and kept you from mastering success if you had let it? I think you have to get over yourself. Can you explain what does that mean and how did, well, you, I think, how did you do that? Honestly, I think that business, successful business, Actually, you know, making everything work for yourself, for your family, for your customers, for your employees, it's all about love. It really is. And you can look at the bottom line and the numbers and everything all you want. But the truth is, if you're helping people, and I do believe in servant leadership, I believe in making my my employees that my job is to help them do their jobs, to be in their happy place and do what they love to do and then help them do that work. So I need to be there all the time for them to help them do their work and just, you know, make it fun and they love it. So we all have a good time. It's all about love. I love my customers. I love business owners who are trying really hard to do the right thing. And it's difficult right now. It's, it's hard with all this specialization and technology and everything. I think if we all really just said, okay, how can I bring more love into all of this? Everything starts to work. Everything. Your whole life gets better. Absolutely. But you said, you know, to get over yourself. And part of that is the, you know, the way you love yourself. I guess that sounds so Dr. Phil-ish, but, um, (laughs) you know, the, you know, what does that mean you have to love yourself? How can, can you put, well, you know, there's two kinds of loving yourself. One is yeah. just, oh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm, I'm so perfect. Everything's fine. No. Here's who I am. Find it, face it, fix it. All right. I've got these good things and I have these things that need work. Okay. So even though that I'm not perfect, 
I'm still going to accept myself and not beat myself up when bad things happen. That's part of the find it, face it, fix it. You don't lament and get angry with yourself and judge yourself and beat yourself up. That's just a complete waste of time. And it makes it that much harder for you to, to give that love, to, to mm-hmm. actually get out of yourself. But the other thing is that you stop worrying about what other people think of you. And that uh. whole competitive ambition, um, I have to be the right one in the room. It took me a long time to get over that. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in my 50s before I got over that. Really, I, and now I try to help people get over it faster because it was a big impediment. Having right. to be right, having to be the smartest person in the room, it's a complete waste of time. It's exhausting too. It is exhausting <laughs> and it gets in the way. And now well, I mean, I'm just fine. If you're smarter than me, I'm, I'll hire you. <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. Well, yeah. it, and, and I want to apologize because I put words in your mouth. What you said was get over yourself. And, right. and I like that. So don't take yourself too seriously could be part of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Learn to laugh at yourself. It's funny. My husband and I have been married a long time and we're best <laughs> friends and we're still in love and we laugh all the time about, you know, our little foibles. It's funny. Yes, it is. Well, and I think the other thing, you know, about being the smartest person in the room, even if you are trying to prove it to other people doesn't really <laughs> benefit you. Yeah, well, it doesn't make them feel any better if you're trying to bring that up all the time anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. It's not very loving. It isn't, it isn't. So, um, so the mindset that you know, could have stopped you was to get over yourself. And you did that by finding this servant leadership and this love of what you do and how you do it and who you support in that way. Right. Correct. Okay. You summed it up very nicely. Well, that's because I'm trying to understand because, I mean, I don't want to say you're the smartest one in this room, but, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no, I think you're the smartest. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to admit, okay, so what am I going to learn, you know? <clears throat> and that's how I get over myself, especially, you know, being married and around engineers, all of them will talk about things that used to make me feel bad because I didn't understand it. And I finally woke up one day and thumped myself on the forehead and said, you know what? I don't care and I don't understand and that's okay. I can smile and nod and let them have their moment. (laughs) Or you can try to learn it and just, you know, be okay with that. Be okay that my husband's a walking boat encyclopedia and, and it took me, and I've been sailing with him for years. uh, And for a long time, I was really, you know, insecure about that. And just like you, I just finally said, okay, he knows more than I do. That's fine. And I'll learn and keep learning, and that's fine, too. Right. It's all good. Yep, it is. You just have to decide, do you care? And if not, let it go. Just yeah. smile and nod and, and be polite. Yeah. And if you do care, <laughs> figure out how you can become part of this conversation. So with my husband, it was flying. So shortly after we got married, he got his pilot's license. And then, you know, I started hearing on the news about how the wives went down with the plane because they didn't know how to fly when he had a heart attack or what have an epileptic fit or whatever. And I thought, "Mm -mm, time out, that's not going to be me. So um, I took the interest that he had shared with me and took it to the next level and got my pilot's license too. Good for you. You know, and if you had asked me before I had met this man I married, if I would ever have a pilot's license, I would have said, are you crazy? I have no desire. But, you know, learning those new things because I put myself out there opened up that whole world to me. Um, So I I think that's a great thing to be able to do with somebody else. 
So that was a whole different tangent. I don't know how we got onto that, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, so here. leave us with one, one little golden nugget that the listeners can take today to help them be better at their business. Okay. So the mindset thing is what I have to go back to. Your customer's mindset is the most important thing in your business. And you can't assume that you understand it. That is an absolute recipe for disaster, guaranteed. You have to actually talk to them. You can read my book or go to chapter three. I just, here's how to do it. And it only takes five to seven interviews of any given type of customer to figure out the truth. And then you will be on track and then your messages will matter and everything will be good. Absolutely. Well, Kristen Zavago, did I say that right this time? Yeah, yeah, close enough. Close enough. Oh, sorry, we'll, we'll have to keep talking so I can get better <laughs> at that. But thank you, thank you, thank you for your time today. It was a, I, I, I learned so much and I know my listeners did too. So I just want to thank you because I know you're very busy. So thank you for your time. Thank you. I, I enjoyed it. Well, with that, listeners, I'm going to leave you with this final thought. Until next time, be mindful of the stories that you tell yourself about what is or isn't possible for you, your life, because you're the only one that gets to determine that. You get to live your story every day. You have the power to choose to master your success and master your life on your terms. And along the way, if you decide you're ready to write your story in a book, personal or professional, connect with me on bookwritingbusiness.com. Thank you for joining Mindset Meets Mastery with Arlene Gale, the expert in helping people write business building books. Join us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on BBS Radio when we'll talk more about how mindsets help or hinder success mastery. Please visit bookwritingbusiness.com to get more information on writing your professional or personal story.